you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got an absolutely brilliant guest on the show today who has um, a remarkable business, which I'm very excited about digging into, uh, in the form of Zoe Whitman, who is the co-founder of The Six Figure Bookkeeper and has built a su- support community of over 2,600 bookkeepers, which is absolutely phenomenal. And we're going to be talking today about all things communities and memberships and fun stuff like that. So welcome to the show, Zoe. Oh, it's so great to be here. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I'm really, really happy to have this conversation today. Excellent. Well, listen, Zoe, look, we're talking about community. So I think we should just dive straight in. And there's there's a ton of people out there, business owners out there listening to this, watching this, who run service client businesses very much in a similar sort of vein to, to all the bookkeepers out there. And um, they're probably thinking about, well, how can I grow some kind of a community or an audience myself to then be able to attract the right sorts of clients into my business? So what would your where, where does somebody start with this? What would your sort of your best tips be around sort of building a community? and starting to monetize it? I think understand that people need a community. So whatever their challenge is, if they know there are other people going through the same things with them or have been through it or can share something that's going to help or just be a listening ear for them, they need to be a part of that. I think particularly over the last 18 months, we've just gone through this time where we haven't had people around us, have we? So people have looked more online and there are lots of you know groups and things. If you've got an opportunity to build something and, and make it part of your business, it can be really helpful to build the trust with the the community you've got and I think one of the things as well like people get a bit uh, they, they start a, a group up for example let's talk about you know Facebook groups for example and, and their immediate thought is how can I make some money out of this but actually that's completely the opposite of what you should be doing it should be like how can I help ser- help you how can I serve you and those sorts of things so um, how do you like with your group for example you've got 2,600 bookkeepers kind of what did you find was the thing which started to really engage with that community and start to help it to grow I, I think there were two things they really lacked confidence we're a, we're a, an industry which is quite traditional we're not used to being very visible or online or anything really and uh, and people were really lacking confidence and didn't perhaps find that they had the place they could go where they could ask the questions without feeling silly so we we knew that because we'd run those kind of businesses as well and we wanted to bring people together to be able to support them um i felt like there was another answer to that question which i've forgotten now but i know you're going to prompt it out <laughs> in a minute and it, I mean, like, it's it's no mean feat as well to like to get a group of two thousand six hundred people, but there are some probably some challenges which have come along with that in terms of being able to you know, um, you know, uh, make sure that people are kind of um, not being too disruptive within the group and making sure that everybody in that group is on that same journey of like adding value. Again, what you don't want is other people joining your group and sort of pitching and things like that. But um, how how do you kind of like manage a group a group of that scale and um, yeah keep encouraging people to kind of um, engage positively. 
It's tricky, isn't it? Because there's an element of collaboration over competition. It can be really valuable to have other people in your group. You, you were talking about pitching. It can be really helpful to have people in your group who are doing something that complements what you do, but you also don't want to sell out. So if you've got an audience of people and you you don't you don't want to bring people in who are just going to sell, sell, sell to them. So how can you keep the balance between giving good value and not doing that? I mean, one of the things we do, we ask questions when people join our Facebook group. You get to ask three questions we obviously want to we want to find out who's there we ask their email address but we also ask them what they're doing and and you can find out a bit about people when they're joining the group and we we have a bit of we have a whatsapp discussion about you know is okay to let this person in if it's a bit questionable i expect you do something similar with people joining your group um and you, you have to sometimes take people out if they pitch something you you don't approve a post or you uh you delete them sometimes members of our group will flag things to us and they'll be like is it okay that they've just commented this and sent me some links you don't see everything and and i think that's one of the risks that you take you've just got to decide how you're going to deal with it when it happens and I, I, one of the things I love about your group as well is the name, because it's like it's it's a bit like Ron Seal. It's like you just set the dream there, haven't you? The six figure bookkeeper. It's it, it's so obvious what people are going to get out of the group. So how important is the name? Well, do you know, we deliberated over this name so much. Um, when I when we started the business, I run it with a lady called Jo Wood. She's, she runs a virtual FD uh, bookkeeping practice in Kent. I'm in South Wales. Somehow we make this work across the country. And um, and she'd already set up this group when we got our heads together. And she said, I've called it the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. And we were sort of working on whether we had this, this business idea, which we'll talk about later. And uh, and she said, you know, we need a Facebook group. Well, I've already got a bit of a Facebook group and there's a hundred people or so in there and, and it's called this. And I was like, well, well, that's the name we'll use because we've gone through every name under the sun about an aspirational bookkeeper and a motivated bookkeeper and all of these things that might be related to the kind of goals people would have. And you know what? Not everybody's goal is to hit six figures. And it feels kind of crude to put it out there and call it something like that. But we just felt that if people came across that group, they would realize whether that was their goal or not, that we were there to help people who were really aspirational. So so we stuck with it and it's worked for us. Yeah. And it's it's that like getting into the market niche, isn't it? If you if you can kind of identify what the desires are for your your audience, it just makes it that much easier to attract them. And I I don't look, you know bookkeeping is like i hate this without sounding crude it's about the money right it's all about managing money and keeping on top of it and i always say this very cautiously but the the one goal in business is to make a profit right because otherwise if you're not making profit you're going to go out of business at some point you're going to go under obviously you can do that and i always caveat that with a, a sense of purpose and passion mission mission values and all the rest of it um so i don't think it i don't think this i think it's like a really positive thing to aspire to want to have a six figure business because if you're making lots of money, the likelihood is that you're doing that because you're also impacting a lot of, you know, bookkeepers, impacting a lot of other businesses that you're you're serving. So it's a really positive aspiration. I think it is too, but I also have realized through this journey that people have a lot of blocks around this and there are lots, there's lots of guilt that comes up with earning money and all sorts of things like that. So, and people come to us saying, my, my story is different. My, my why is something else. And it's often related. We have a lot of parents in our group. It's often about children and family and balance and thing, and being able to work for themselves part-time, that kind of thing. So they're probably not thinking that's possible for them. Now we need to say, hey, actually, this is okay, and this is for you as well. So we we can take them on that confidence journey when they get involved with us. 
So, okay, a quick question. So what does that journey kind of look like? How do you start to kind of give them that, that mindset shift from, oh, we're doing this just for the family to actually know we can have a profitable, sustainable business as well? I think a lot of what helps is seeing other people around them doing it. So we share a lot of stories of other bookkeepers. We'll get other bookkeepers on our podcast talking about how they've grown their business. And when people can see that actually that person is just like me and all the excuses that I've used in my life for why I haven't done that yet that well there's this other person who's got exactly those same things going on for them that can be really inspiring so it's actually not about us saying something particularly I mean there's a lot we've done (laughs) there's a lot where we've had lots of experts in to talk about all sorts of different things around mindset and planning what your goals are in the future and what you need to do to get there but I think it's seeing actually seeing people doing it and living the life that they want and going hey actually yeah I I could have some of that for myself. Yeah, one one of the things which I've noticed, and I don't know if you experience this in your group as well, is that sometimes people treat their business as a little bit of a side hustle when, you know, so they they put the family first and they're kind of making the business work around that. And actually there is a point when you're kind of like, no, do I really need to take this a bit more seriously, you know, in order to turn it into a more sustainable business? But what what and I see I see that as one of the most common kind of mistakes is like how you actually perceive your business. But what would you say are some of the mistakes that you see some of the bookkeepers making perhaps when they're maybe the the infancy the early stages of their journey and starting to sort of scale and grow their business and get more clients um I mean a a lot of people like I said are parents joining our community so there might well be someone else who's the main breadwinner and that when you talk about that side hustle mentality if you've got somebody else and if you've got someone else earning the you know most of the income you don't have that same pressure so that those people might well think hey I can just earn a bit of money or replace my salary or provide the holiday fund for the family and that's difficult to move away from that and when you realize I think that the thing the place where people get stuck is they go out a lot of them will charge an hourly rate I'm sure you hear this a lot you know and they won't think about how they can uh, work with people on some kind of fixed fee or how they're going to package this up and sell it for the value rather than trading their time for money they get stuck in that trap um, but they also become the the doer, the operational person in the business who is just churning out bookkeeping work um, and, and they can't get away from that to grow their business. So we work with them to take a step back so that they can then invest the time in all of the parts that are going to help them get the clients. And, and I think that that is one of the biggest challenges, taking it from a business where it is a bookkeeper who has perhaps had a finance background working in practice or doing some other finance role in the past. And they're like, Hey, I could do someone's bank rec for them and I could get paid 30 pounds an hour for it. Um, to actually going, well, actually, why would I do the bank rec? <laughs> like if yeah. I bring other people in to do this for me, I can bring more clients in and bring more people in to do those bank recs for other people. And that's how I can grow my bod- my business. And I can be taking the profit from that. And that pays for my that's patient and I think that it's that shift that is the biggest challenge that our bookkeepers face uh so that I see so they kind of shift from being the business doer I've got to do everything from sales marketing and the actual fulfillment and my own accounts and everything else to a business owner and a business Mm -hmm. owner can then hire other people in basically to start to take on different functions of the business so if you've got bookkeepers who are brilliant at sales and marketing well get them to focus on sales and marketing and give the fulfillment to a load of I guess um, VAs or other bookkeepers Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's it it's bringing in it's realizing that you're you don't have to do everything like (laughs) if you're doing a technical a task a tick box it's not a tick box okay it's technical it's technical you do need to be well qualified to do this properly but there are other people that can do it 
it, but you, only you can run the business in the way that you run your business. Only you can sell the services to people based on the kind of business that you've built and the, the values that you have and the way that you want to be working. So your time is so much better spent doing that. Nice. Excellent. I, I think that's, it's, it's, it's so often overlooked as well. And, um, again, I think people wait until they're kind of their business is bursting at the seams before they then start to have the scaling conversation, don't they? And actually, if you think about it with what we've just talked about there, it makes more sense to kind of design the business to scale, like right from the word go and work out <laughs> like, which, what am I good at? Oh, I completely agree. Um, I, I don't know whether you know, Robin, I used to run a bookkeeping practice before I was running the six figure bookkeeper with Joe. And, um, and actually I, I was pregnant with my son in the very early days of that business. And it was like, well, if I want this business, I can either keep my clients and bring people into the, into the business to run the business for me, or I can shut the business down. (laughs) So, so you, you know, being able to make, I had, I was forced to make that um, shift. It it was difficult for me to be able to do that as well. And and I can see why people fall into this trap. Um, But yes, if I, if I was to go out and start any practice, any booking practice or some kind of service-based business again I would absolutely be looking at well who's the where should I be here and who who can I bring in to do that operational stuff for me is is there anything else which you feel kind of especially for service client businesses like this that is like really pivotal that could really make quite a transformational shift um it's I I really think that if you can go out and prove that you're the expert for a particular community, a a particular niche, you can set yourself apart from everyone else. If you think about the days when we used to get the yellow pages and everyone used to list themselves in directory and you'd, if you had a business, you'd probably want to call it something beginning with double A. So you'd be right at the top of the list. Because if you look at just a list of names and you look, you look up accountant or bookkeeper, who are you going to choose? If you're just looking at that, you're just going to choose the first name on the list. And if you don't differentiate yourself, you're not going to stand out. There's no reason for someone to come out and choose you. If, however, you say, look, I work with these types of businesses and I am an absolute expert and I understand the software they're using. I understand their business model. I actually... But because I work with so many businesses like this, I kind of have in, insider knowledge. Like I can benchmark how your business is doing against other businesses because I see it all the time and I can tell you you're good or you're in the top 10% or something. Or actually, have you thought about doing it like this? Because I work with other businesses who are brilliant when they make this kind of change. If you're able to do that, you suddenly become the expert go-to person for that particular community. And that's what I want. That's what I want our bookkeepers to be doing. And I think any service-based business if they can identify that niche, can elevate themselves by doing yeah, well, that. You, you, you get all of the nuances, don't you, of the clients that you work with, you know, and I've, I've got um, accountants who I've, accounting practices who I've worked with who are turning over 2 million and they tried to pivot into a different niche. And all of a sudden you look at their books and you're thinking, well, hang on a second, this side of your business that you pivoted into, you're losing money on. Why would you, why would you change that? Why don't we optimize? So one, for example, worked in the franchise space, which is highly competitive and very price sensitive. And they tried to pivot out of it and it, it ended up disrupting the, the whole of their business. And another example as well, I worked with a medical aesthetics business who had an accountant that wasn't, wasn't a specialist. They were just a generalist accountant. And I was looking at, I mean, I'm, I'm not an accountant, by the way. I, I, I get numbers. That's my game. I'm the pricing guy. So I, I kind of understand profit and loss and numbers and things like that. And economically, what makes a business work? And I'm looking at a profit, this profit and loss account for this aesthetics business going, well, where's your R&D tax credits you know, claims because you use this equipment and you have to train all of your team in order to like learn how to use it. And probably because of the amount of hours you've got to put into training it, 
training them, that's that, you know, you've got a claim there. That's well beyond 10Ks worth of spend. Um, and little things like that. So the moment we put them in touch with a specialist in medical aesthetic businesses, um, the well, first and foremost, we ended up getting, I think it's in the region about 80 grand um H um, back from HMRC in tax they'd overpaid um because they they hadn't picked up on these nuances and then obviously then the ongoing savings so just that one switch you know saved the matey case so i i totally get it it makes makes perfect sense now there was something which you said <laughs> zoe which i'm gonna just um which i think is a really nice sort of segue actually because i want to get to know you and sort of your entrepreneurial journey a bit there was something which you said about the decision about you know, when you were pregnant and that pivot which you had to make with your business about do I hire or don't I that sounds like that was quite a hard a tough decision to make it was really tough I just left my corporate job to I, I did exactly what you said you know I had a side hustle ran a bookkeeping practice I was like hey I had my first child and I was like actually if I do something freelance I can earn a bit of money and I don't have to go back to my corporate job full time I can have more time with the baby that was my plan and then I and so I gave myself like a day a week to work on the business and then suddenly I was like taking phone calls on Sundays trying to like find meeting rooms to have secret calls at lunch times and it's like this is not working my husband was like how much money are you earning what are you cheating on me with well the business <laughs> <laughs> but he was like actually I think you actually have to leave your job now or you choose you have your job or you have the business what do you want to do so I I chose the business and uh, eventually left and then I was pregnant again so I knew at that point you know, what was I going to do? I wanted to have something to go back to after I'd had the baby. And actually I, I found it quite hard having very young children. And I, I love work. I love working. It's kind of my hobby. And, um, and so that was something that got me through actually got me through certainly when I had my daughter and, and when I had my son, I wanted to go back to work straight away because I love my clients. I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to hang out with the staff and be a part of it. So it gave me a lot of like good feelings as well. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And, um, and it, yeah, it, it was a very difficult decision, but it was what I needed to do because I felt like probably like everyone, every bookkeeper we work with feels if I hire someone, I am giving away my money. That that was that was the message that I was telling myself. And I think that is why people find it so difficult to take the step back to being the business owner. And you have to push through and you have to go, OK, I've got to find more clients right now so that I can, you know, be able to do this. But, but I suppose what I, I needed to be earning like maternity level, like maternity pay kind of money. So it wasn't like... I don't know. It, it was a difficult time and I had to really do some forecasting to work out what to do. It, it's um, it's quite when you start to well, probably as you're going through and doing that forecasting as well. I bet there were a few home truths which popped up about sort of how much you were charging and yeah. um, how many clients you had the capacity to work with. And even despite sort of bringing other people into the business to take on some of that work, you know, immediately it's like you, you, because your overheads have gone up, all of a sudden you've got to charge that much more in order to cover the overheads and things. So again, there's probably more like decisions that you had to be quite courageous about in terms of that, like growing the business from there. Yeah. And I, and I had to be fixed pricing. Like there was, I, th I think I'd moved on from this at this point anyway, but Explain you know, there you was no fixed, fixed pricing. Well, knowing that I had recurring fees coming in every month, beginning of the month from each of my clients. Um, but that, because I'd started out at an hourly rate pricing method, I had to have those difficult conversations with my clients. And I was like, look, this is why we need to do it like this. And this is what we're going to be giving you. But yeah, it's a shift because I hadn't gone out on day one. And this is why I think, like you said, if, if you're starting a business today, 
go out on day one planning to scale it because then you're not going to have to have the conversation with a client of actually I'm just about to put your price up this is what I'm going to be giving you I really am very valuable to you (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you and actually it's not going to be me doing the work anymore it's going to be this really nice lady who's very qualified and you know because they buy into you otherwise they buy into you as a freelancer rather than um, as a business Oh, so we're going to have to do some work, Zoe, on your sales techniques here, but you'd never go into justification mode. That's my one piece of advice. Somebody, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody was doing some sales training once and they said, if anybody ever challenges you on your price and they say you're too expensive, just sit there and confidently say, yeah, I am. And that's it. Like stony faced poker face, you know, um, but yeah, we, I'm sure we'll get a chance to chat about that, uh, chat about that more. But um, I, one of the, there was a, a, a an, um, something which resonated there. So I did some work with an accountant who had a bookkeeping service within their offering. And again, they were, um, I always work on the basis, right? That when you buy a service in and sell it on, you double the price. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying a bookkeeper in at 15 pound an hour, you sell their service on at 30. So she, she wasn't, unfortunately, she was um, paying her bookkeepers too much and wasn't charging enough for it. And they, they were working too slowly. So this is where capacity starts to come into it. So for every hour she was selling, bookkeeping hours she was selling, it was taking them two. So she ended up paying seven pounds an hour, the equivalent of for every hour of bookkeeping that she sold, like on behalf of the client. It's just like, there, there must be an equation, right? Where you can work this out from the word go. Yeah, that's really, that's really difficult, isn't it? And I, and I think this is just, this just sums up the kind of challenges that people are facing when, because often when you start a business, you start, you don't think about it beyond that side hustle. I'm a freelancer. You don't that, like, because we don't learn entrepreneurship at school or you know, it's just not part of what we do if we've come from a work environment. So you're, you're a busy, busy working mum. Okay. With your own business and this amazing community. So um, h- how, um, how do you, how do you find the balance now? I don't know. I don't know. And my daughter's at school now. So I have like really, lim- I feel like I work like 20 hours a week. I don't, and I panic last week, my son was off sick and I was like, that's 50% of my work. I've literally got like 10 hours to work this week. That's really stressful. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I just do it. I'm, I'm very driven. I know what I need to do. And I think it's keeping the focus. What, what do we have to do this month? And what are the things that I can do that are going to move it forward? We have a VA, uh, we've got a business partner, so she helps out as well. It's not just me, um, but it really is about keeping the focus and setting the goals, what, what we want to achieve, what's part of our business plan. And sometimes things, you know, sometimes things don't work out and you don't have the time and that's how it is. Yeah. And, and how do you kind of deal with that? So you, cause I, I don't know if you're like me, sometimes things, things go a bit awry and then you kind of end up sort of beating yourself up a little bit, but you then have to kind of just ground yourself and, and kind of take the next step forward. Don't you? But how, how do you kind of, um, you know, deal, deal with that sort of that pressure? Um, I, I mean, I do work evenings. <laughs> I think probably most people with kids work evenings. Um, I don't know. I think we're one of our challenges this month is, we've got half term we're writing a book I'd set out a lot of time for writing and then there's half term and other things have kind of got in the way and what will happen is that book will unfortunately get pushed and it perhaps hits on some other goals that we have but that's one of those things that I have to be involved in um if it was 
I don't know. I, the honest question is, it's really hard. To, it's really hard to run a business when you've got children. Um, and it's just choosing what is most important for you. That, yeah, I, 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 I totally get that because I'm in a similar sort of space. So my, my wife's a lawyer. So she's always kind of, you know, working very much, not even nine to five. It's like eight till seven most of the time, you know, sort of strict hours. And mm-hmm. I find myself as the entrepreneur with the freedom, picking up, you know, doing school runs and finishing early on a Friday and like you, you know, kids get poorly and things like that. But focus, I think, is the key key thing and um, identifying which tasks are most important. So you said there, the clue was, you know, it's your book. Nobody else can write your book. I suppose you could get a ghostwriter, but they'd still have to interview you and pull out all of the, mm-hmm. the information. So there are things which you can do or, or can't, you know, nobody else can do, which you have to definitely do yourself. So I guess it's just a matter of kind of make a list of the activities. What do I have to definitely do? What, you know, prioritize it, give some to the VA, give some to your team and, it's the and urgent, break it down. Important. It's the what's going to make the boat go faster stuff. Yeah. Um, is this actually going to help us hit our goals in the business or actually can we shelf this for a while? And it, it's a shame when that happens, but I think, we're really focused like there's lots of we had an in-person event last month and we've got loads of content and then and I'm like well I need to go and edit all of those videos we've got these amazing testimonials things like that can be outsourced yeah so it's identifying the things where I would kind of like to get involved because I'm just one of those kind of people and going no got it I've got to move away from it and I've got to get it give it to someone else I think we've probably all got things on our to-do list where we can do that yeah, it's it's so hard, isn't it, Zoe? When you're talented people like us, <laughs> not trying to do everything ourselves. <laughs> I'm be, I'm joking, of course. I, I I'm the same. I, honestly, like my I've got I took on a head of content, and I have to really be careful not to end up sort of micromanaging her because otherwise, there's like it ends up being two people doing the job which I've hired her for, which is pointless and a waste of money. So, um, so yeah, I, t- I totally get it. Um, what are you? Uh, so you mentioned the book, which is very exciting, um, and you've also got another project coming up. You, another podcast which you've launched as well so talk to us about what the future looks like oh my gosh yeah well you know for our so we run a community of bookkeepers and um and one of the biggest challenges they've got is building the confidence to get out there find clients and we have a, a brilliant podcast we record every week called the bookkeepers podcast and you're going to be a guest on that for us so thank you so much for joining us for that um but i think i've learned um and through everything I've done in my own journey I've realized how difficult it is to get yourself out there and just I suppose show people that you're the expert because often if you've come from a corporate background or another kind of job or you had a side hustle it's hard to believe that you're the expert you you just don't believe in yourself and I've definitely been on that journey I I would categorize myself as an introvert um, in a really traditional profession and I don't like to get myself out there believe it or not (laughs) but I know that it's really important that we do because the only way that people are going to see us as credible experts that you know particularly when we were talking about speaking to a niche you need people to know that you know your stuff and and the only way they're ever going to know anything is if you are more visible so I have I have launched an extra an extra podcast this week it's called In, in plain view and I've done that because of my own, my, the conversations that I've had with bookkeepers and my community on Instagram as well, just with the kind of things that people are asking me all the time. So I actually, I think I can, I can help more with this. So that's a kind of personal hobby, a, a project that I'm doing, a passion project, because I just feel like it's what's missing, particularly in our industry. 
Yeah, and I, I'd like it's a little Brucey bonus tip, I think. Question here, because I mean, you're you're you are very visible on um, on Instagram, and you're doing the reels and things like that. Which, like the whole, like I'm, I'm I like to think I'm fairly visible, but kind of d- dancing in my kitchen, I got hats off to people who've got like the confidence and like that that about that enough about them to want to go out and do that sort of thing. Um, like again, there must be something like again which stops people from doing that. So, what would you say just to get kind of started, like? And the benefits of it as well. It's really easy to talk to camera. Like if you talk, if you think you're just talking to a friend, um, you don't have to dance in your kitchen. Um, the reason I've done reels actually is because it's fun. And I've done it because I'm trying to say to bookkeepers and accountants, actually, you need to, you need to be more visible and you need to get out there. So I started doing reels just to show people, Hey, you can do this here. I am messing around doing it. But what I've realized, and the reason I've launched the podcast is because I've realized that that doesn't show that I'm an expert. It just shows that I know how to use uh, some cool gotcha. features in yeah. reels. Um, so, you know, if people really want to, um, it, it's doing the simple things you know, make a commitment to yourself. Is there something that you can be sharing? Can you put a photo of yourself up and just tell people who you are and what you do and who you work with? Something really simple, just one thing at a time. It's got to be baby steps, particularly if you're really quite timid and afraid of of putting yourself out there and just start with the small stuff. It it makes sense because it's kind of, like you said, the balance with the authority sort of content balanced off with you know just hey this is just me which I think is really nice and um no similar to you so I I I my um Jess who helps me with my content she was like oh listen because I did a cycling competition recently and she's like well we share that on your Instagram like people want to know about it's like why don't people want to know about me dressed in like her and like cycling up hills looking all you know angry and she's just like no no people really want to see the other side of like the personalities like people buy from people at the end of the day so um that it was a really good lesson actually from a 23 year old telling me how to run my social but the feedback I think you commented on it as well it's just the feedback on it It was just really nice and I can I can really excuse me (coughs) really see the value in um in, in kind of sharing all of that sort of variety of different content. So what we'll do is we'll make sure that we share links to both of the podcasts and show notes so people okay. can go and access those, um, uh, which I, th- I think they're already up there. So that's great. Um, in terms of also if people want to sort of get hold of you, uh, maybe join the Six Figure Bookkeeper um, group um, and or have a conversation with you, how can they get hold of you? Yeah, um, our Facebook group is the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. You're welcome if you're a bookkeeper or an accountant uh, or someone else who wants to just learn a bit more about how we do this. You're welcome to come and see, see what we're doing. Please don't pitch to our group. <laughs> Fair to say. You're banned. Um, <laughs> um, no, but, you know, it's, sometimes it's just good to see how people do this and how, how they convert a community into a, a paid membership model, really. Um, if you want to find out more about me, come and find out, come and have a look on my website. It's zoewhitman.com. should be easy to find. Ace, nice and easy. We'll share that and we'll share share links to your socials as well in, in, in the show notes. So we're kind of coming up to the pointy end of the um, interview, Zoe, and we've got uh, two questions just to kind of wrap things up with. So the first one is we're going to jump into the Fearless Business DeLorean and go back to a year in your past um, and you get, get to choose the year and give yourself a piece of advice. So what is the year and what are you going to say to Zoe T minus X years? Oh my goodness. So uh, when you told me I needed to talk to you about this, I thought you were thinking about one year ago. So I'm going to go back one year. I'm going to rewind one year. And one year ago, uh, so last summer, I suppose, I was talking to bookkeepers about being more visible and confident being visible. And I put together a load of 
content, a load of PDFs and guides and things and videos saying, this is how you do this. This is what you can do. Have you thought about this? And then I was like, oh, no one wants to know about that. And I took it all down. (laughs) And here we are. And we've just come full circle. We've been through a whole year and that's still exactly what people need to be hearing. So I think that what I would say to Zoe of a year ago is actually like if you've got a gut feeling about something if you're identifying a challenge or a need from from a community go with it because they probably do need it and you'll probably end up back there anyway yeah I'm curious why did you take it down I don't know I just felt like it it didn't contradict but it was because we'd had so much traction with the six-figure bookkeeper and we started our course with lots of people signed up and we're running this community I felt like me going off doing something on the side to the same audience was diluting our membership. Okay. So, so that was why I took it down. And um, we have some of that is now part of our program. So it's just it, it was just interesting that I've gone full circle here. Yeah, because I because I get the impression like you're like massively passionate about this that stuff, and I think that's like it was it came from a very heartfelt place. And I remember you putting a lot of that content out. So I, what I saw was just a, a, ge- a really generous amount of content during a time that was like a real shit show for a lot of people. And um, and maybe it was just a bit of, a bit of an identity crisis. But how does this fit in with the the six figure thing? It probably was probably just a, just a simple. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but no, and that, that content was like incredibly valuable as well. So I'm glad that it hasn't gone entirely to waste because that would be a real shame. Um, uh, and then this, the second question as well. So for any any business owners um, in, in the service client space who are maybe just starting out or maybe they've been faced with a kind of, a, um, a, well, we've all been faced with a big challenge, but faced with a challenge in their business recently, what advice would you give to somebody to kind of keep on pushing through? Find either a community or somebody who thinks in the same way as you, a mentor, a small group of people, a mastermind that you can be a part of because having someone else to compare notes with is so incredibly helpful. I've got a lot of, uh, I suppose, a handful of great people who are in my in my business life and I and your family isn't always the right place to do that I get a lot of support from my family but they're, they're not entrepreneurs and they probably don't get it a lot of the time when I'm like I'm gonna go and do this crazy project and they're just thinking please stop um <laughs> whereas if, you, if you're surrounded by a group of other people who get it that can be really empowering I launched in plain view my new podcast because a good friend and Uh, someone I see as a mentor, another entrepreneur said, come on, just do it. Just get it out there. The reason the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club has been so successful is that I work with somebody else who, and I can bounce ideas off of. And I just think if I, I couldn't have done that on my own, there's a lot that I couldn't have done. Although I like to be quite independent, I see the value of working with other people. So if you're in that position, look for somebody that you can share ideas with. Cool. So you heard it there first, folks. If you want to have success in your business, make sure that you have friends, associates, colleagues that you can actually bounce ideas off in the entrepreneurial space, whether that be uh, coaches or masterminds or just people like your own community of uh, like-minded people. Um, I think that's such an invaluable lesson. And I, I think as well, like, because um, you're, you're on Clubhouse as well, aren't you? So, yeah. So I remember I remember my first time going onto Clubhouse, I was walking across um I'm walking my dog at about 10 o'clock at night uh, in the middle of the winter in, in like January. And um, I ended up catching up with, I think, two or three people who I hadn't spoken to for ages. And I got back home and I was like really emotional because I was just like, 
I haven't spoken to these people in so long and it just felt so good to reconnect with them, after, especially after everything that happened during lockdown. And I think, um, you know, but there was also part of me which has been like this bullshit teenager who just wants to get on and like make a successful coaching practice on his own. But that was like really grounding for me that moment when I was like, no, definitely need other people around you. So such a great reminder, Zoe. Thank you. No, it's been, it's been really nice to chat to you. Thank you. Awesome. No, it's been a pleasure. Folks, uh, go and check out the Six Figure Bookkeeper. Go and check out Zoe's two podcasts as well. Um, well, the existing one is absolutely epic. I'm sure the new one is going to be fantastic too. Uh, we'll include links in the show notes. Thanks again, Zoe. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Take care.